And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. All right, if you get your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, just a couple verses this week. Just verses 26 and 27. Don't be fussy, Emery. Hey, well, let's go there. You heard know your name, don't you? All right, if you would just stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Uh, just a couple verses here. Romans 8, beginning of verse 26. Here's what Paul writes. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Father, uh, we just ask for the help of Your Holy Spirit now. We understand just in the, the basic reading of this that He helps us when we pray. And Father, we need it. We're going to talk about that. But Lord, we need You in all things. And we need, you, we need Your Spirit to help us understand this passage, to give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge, the things we need to then put into practice to transform our lives. So Father, pray that You would speak through Your Spirit through this message. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some say that for those who know the living God, answered prayers should be the norm. We should have such frequent answers to our prayers that we're actually surprised when an occasional one goes unanswered. Now, if you can relate to that, perhaps you should be the one up here giving this message on prayer because, to be honest, that's not my uh, experience. I don't keep uh, detailed records but I seem to strike out in prayer more than I get a hit. Uh, in fact, my batting average probably wouldn't get me into the minors, much less, much less the major leagues. So before you ask me to pray for you, maybe you ought to shop around. Now, I say that jokingly, but, it, but it's true for all of us. Uh, I need help to learn how to Pray for the things that I should. That's one of the lines that Paul's talking about. And that's what our text is about today. And you're going to see that Paul struggled as well. Now, overall, it's a great encouragement. Paul is saying that knowing that, our, that the Holy Spirit tenderly prays for us in our weakness should actually encourage us to pray. Now, Douglas Moo uh, he, he summarizes Paul's thought in these verses. He says, Paul is saying that our failure to know God's will and consequent inability to petition God specifically and assuredly is met by God's Spirit, who Himself expresses to God those intercessory petitions that perfectly match the will of God. When you do not know what to pray for, you ever been there? When you do not know what, what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us, we need not despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession on our behalf, end quote. Now, as I said, Paul's overall intent is, is pretty clear. He wants to encourage us, especially when we feel our own weakness, because the Holy Spirit is praying for us. Even though we don't know how to pray as we should, we are encouraged to keep praying. 
There are a number of details in these verses that are not so easy to understand, and I'll try to explain them as best I can and hope that the explanatory detours don't you know, uh, distract us from the overall encouragement uh, for your individual prayer life. The first difficulty is to determine what likewise, that's our opening word here, likewise refers to. Some authors, they connect it to the theme of groaning. Back in verse 22, uh, the whole creation groans. In verse 23, we ourselves groan as we wait for the completion of our adoption as the children of God. So likewise, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings. Too deep for words. So these people see that the link or the reason for the likewise is because somebody else is groaning. Others say that likewise links our verses this morning, verses 25 through 26, with the other references of the Holy Spirit in chapter 8, and there are a bunch of them. Verses 2, 4, 5, 9, 11, 13, 14, 15, and 16 all mention the Holy Spirit. So now he says, likewise, the Spirit, what else does He do? He helps us in our weaknesses. And still others argue that the connection is hope. And this is really based on last week's message. We are encouraged in our trials today because of the hope of our future glory. That's what we talked about last week. What lies ahead gives us comfort in our trials today. Well, likewise, we can find hope in our, weak, in our weakness because of the Spirit's intercession for us. Now, regardless of Paul's reason for using likewise... Uh, he wants us to feel encouraged by the fact that the Spirit is praying for us so that we will be encouraged to keep praying. A couple main points here. Number one, all of us is, are weak, which is why we need to pray. And just a couple sub-points here. A, our, a sense of weakness will drive us to pray. Now, sometimes a a very small pronoun in the Bible can make an awful lot of difference. Paul did not write, the Spirit also helps your weaknesses. No, rather, he said, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Paul didn't set himself on some pedestal as an example of spiritual strength. Rather, he included himself as one who is weak. Well, a main reason that we don't pray as frequently or even as fervently as we should is that we don't recognize just how weak we really are. If we knew ourselves to be weak, we would constantly be coming to the Lord and crying out for His strength. Jesus did not say, without me, you can get along fine with all the everyday affairs of life, but when you hit something big, then call on me. What's He say in John 5? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the little things. We tend to look at the spiritual giants in the Bible and think, wow, they were strong. Think about uh, just Elijah. What a guy. I mean, he called down fire on his sacrifice, and, and God sent the fire and consumed it. Then he slaughtered the 400 prophets of Baal. Twice he called down fire to consume a commander and 50 armed men who were sent to arrest Elijah. That happened twice. And yet James 5.17 tells us that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed, and it did not rain on the earth for three and a half years. You see, Elijah was weak, just like we are, but he prayed to a God who was strong. Consider Moses. 
He stood up to the most powerful monarch in the world, calling down miraculous plagues on him and his kingdom. He parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could pass through on dry ground. And then he called the, the seas back over uh, the heads of the Egyptian army. He brought water from a rock out in the barren desert. At his word, the ground opened up and swallowed alive those who had challenged his leadership. He seems to be a rock of spiritual strength. But then you read verse, uh, excuse me, Psalm 90, which is ascribed to Moses. And he laments the frailty and the shortness of life. Uh, the psalm ends with a kind of a, a pathetic plea. He says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Now, if Moses needed to ask God to confirm the work of his hands, how much more do we? Moses was aware of his weakness, which is why he prayed. Or look at the Lord Jesus Himself. He alone lived a sinless life here on this wicked earth. He boldly confronted the religious leaders without fear of threats. He overturned their money tables. He, he pronounced woes on their hypocrisy. If anyone seemed to be strong, it was Jesus. And yet He said, The Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. He often slipped away to the wilderness to pray. In His humanity, Jesus knew that He must depend upon the Father for all things. He, he's an incredible model for us of praying at all times and for all things. Our weakness should, ca should cause us to cry out to God in prayer. Now, we fail to pray because we think that we're strong enough to handle life without God. Just let that sink in. When you don't pray... That's because you think you don't need the help of God. Am I bugging out again? He just died, didn't it? All right, let's go. Well, it's encouraging here in verse 26. I'm getting... Let's try that. Uh, that He doesn't confront us or condemn us for our weakness. Rather, He sends His Spirit to help us in our weakness. So if you say, I don't have the strength to resist the temptations that I face, then flee to Jesus in your weakness. Cry out to Him for deliverance. Yeah, but I don't have the strength to overcome my angry temper. Well, the next time you're about to explode, run to Jesus. Every time you feel your weakness and inability, call out to Jesus. But maybe you're thinking, but that's the problem. <laughs> I'm not strong in prayer. Well, Paul says, B, this is the second point here, our weakness extends to our prayer lives. Part of the weakness that Paul refers to is weakness in prayer. He says, for we do not know what to pray for as we should. And again, I'm glad he said we and not you. Paul didn't know how to pray as he should. He gives us a glimpse of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He tells about his own experience of being caught up into paradise where he heard these inexpressible words that he was not allowed or not permitted to repeat, to speak. And because of that great revelation, to keep Paul from exalting himself, God gave him what Paul calls a thorn in the flesh. 
And three times, Paul asked God to remove this thorn in the flesh. But the Lord replied, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. See, Paul was called was praying for healing. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, you need to just depend on my grace. So his conclusion is, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul didn't know what he should pray for in that trial. And that's the same sense of of verse 26 here. He's not talking about the method or the technique of our praying. No, he's talking about the actual content. Paul wrestled with the same thing there in chapter 1 of Philippians. He couldn't decide whether to pray that the Lord would take him home, which is what Paul really wanted, take him on to heaven, or to preserve his life for further ministry. Even Jesus, in His humanity, prayed that if it was possible, the Father might allow Him to escape from the cross, if it would be God's will. The point is, we're all weak in many areas, including prayer. We often don't know what we should pray for. But thankfully, God doesn't leave us to ourselves. This is our second major point. God graciously gives the Holy Spirit to help us by interceding for us in our weakness. Paul says the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, wouldn't it be great to know that you had a friend who was praying for you according to the will of God? That's what he's talking about. We don't often know what to pray for. But wouldn't it be great if we just had a friend who could do that with just one person? Well, we do, and that's the Holy Spirit. Now again, some of the details are difficult to understand, but Paul's overall intent is to encourage us with the fact that God has not left us alone in our weakness. Rather, His Spirit helps by praying for us. Now, I'm going to try to explain this quickly just in five observations here. A, the Holy Spirit is a third, is, is a, is a person, the third member of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an impersonal force. He helps us in our weakness by praying for us, which an impersonal force cannot do. God is one God who exists eternally in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The fact that the Spirit prays for us shows that He is distinct from the Father, to whom he prays. Also, the Father knows perfectly the mind of the Spirit, and the Spirit prays perfectly in accord with the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit indwells everyone who belongs to Christ. And so his ministry of prayer comes to us from within, while Jesus' ministry of intercession, that takes place at the right hand of the throne of God. Will be that the Holy Spirit helps us. The word helps, it only occurs here in one other place in the New Testament. And it means that someone is carrying a heavy load and another person comes alongside to take the other end and bear the burden with him. The word implies that the Holy Spirit doesn't do everything while we just sit back and do nothing. Rather, we are to keep praying and if appropriate, keep working, keep obeying. But as we pray, the Spirit says, let me grab the other end. 
Let me help you by picking up the burden and taking it before the Father's throne. I know what to pray when you don't. So the Spirit helps us by praying for us in our weakness. What an encouragement. Well, see, the Holy Spirit helps us by interceding for us on an emotional level. Paul says the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, what does this mean? Uh, we don't have anything to compare it with, with since this is the only reference to such a thing in Scripture. But first, we can say with certainty that it does not refer to speaking in tongues, and that's what some argue. The subject is totally foreign to our context here. Also, if speaking in tongues is a valid gift today, it is only for some, whereas the ministry of the Spirit here in verse 26 is to all believers. Now, as you can predict, there are differing views of what this phrase means. Some argue that since it is inconceivable that God would groan, this must refer to our groans, which the Spirit translates into specific requests before the Father. And Thomas Schreiner, he understands it to refer to the groanings that originate from the Spirit, but are experienced by believers. The Spirit burdens us with inexpressible longings to know and to do the will of God. He then takes those burdens to the Father in an articulate form on our behalf. Others argue that the wording of the sentence implies that these groans are actually the groans of the Holy Spirit Himself, of which we are not even aware. John MacArthur says these groans refer to divine articulations within the Trinity that cannot be expressed in words, but carry profound appeals for the welfare of every believer. And some suggest that the Spirit's groaning on our behalf is what's known as a anthropopathism. That's a big, long, fancy word. It just means that we, we attribute human emotions to God. It pictures the Holy Spirit groaning on our behalf to convey that He takes up our needs at the deepest emotional level and conveys our hurts, our cares to the Father's thrones. All in line with the will of God. Now, this should encourage us to pour out our hearts before Him. Well, D, the Holy Spirit helps us by interceding for us according to the will of God. Verse 27, he, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, he who searches hearts, that's, uh, that's referring to the Father. And Paul's point is, if, if the Father understands all human hearts, then he must know the unspoken groans of the Holy Spirit on our behalf. In other words, the Spirit takes our deepest feelings, our unexpressed needs to the Father who understands everything perfectly. You see, nothing leaves God scratching His head wondering what our real needs are. Since God searches and knows every heart, our prayers, they should come from the heart. You can impress others with spiritual-sounding prayers, but those prayers, I promise you, do not impress God. Pour out your heart honestly to Him. I, I, I'm going to pause right here. This was, she was 1981, probably 82. So over 40 years ago, I played for a group called Harborlight. And one of the, one of the, the lead singer in our group, who many of you would recognize simply because he was behind the desk at the post office at the main office for about 30 years. You go, I know you from somewhere. That's where. Anyway, uh, 
Arch was going through a divorce. And he said he sat down on a bench and he just started talking to God like God was sitting next to him. And he wrote a song called Talk to Me. Fabulous song. Try it sometime. Voice a prayer to God out loud like He's your friend sitting right next to you. Just try it. Pour out your heart honestly to Him. But now you're thinking, but what if my prayers aren't in line with God's will? Well, that's my last point here. The Holy Spirit's prayers for us are always according to God's will, and thus, they're always answered. The last phrase of verse 27 seems to say that the Holy Spirit makes corrections for any misdirected prayers that we make by praying for us according to God's will. Part of our weakness in prayer is that we're not able to know God's sovereign will in the sense of His decree until it's already happened. We can know His moral will, and that's revealed in Scripture. We should never pray for anything contrary to Scripture. You don't need to pray about whether you should murder someone or commit adultery or lie and steal to meet your financial needs. Those things are always wrong. But there is a mystery here that we cannot fully understand. Think about this. You remember Samson's parents? They told him, do not marry a Philistine girl. Marry a Jew. Well, what they didn't know is that God wanted to use Samson's desires for Delilah, this Philistine, to bring down the Philistines themselves. They didn't understand God's big purpose. Satan, do you remember he demanded to uh, permission to sift Peter like wheat, tempting him to deny Christ? If I had heard that demand, I would have prayed that God would keep Peter from sinning. But Jesus did not pray that, you remember? He prayed that Peter's faith would not totally fail, and that after he was restored, he would strengthen his brothers. So I understand Paul's point to be here that we should pray according to God's will as best we can. But if God's decreed will differs from our prayers, the Spirit will correct our requests to line up with the sovereign will of God. And so even if it seems to us that our requests are denied in God's sovereign plan, they will be answered. Now, I'm just going to close with one well-known example of this, and that's Augustine. You remember, we call him Saint. Some say Augustine, I say Augustine. Um, It's his mother, Monica. She prayed for Augustine for years and years for the salvation of her wayward son. Then one day he tells her that he's going to move to Italy, and she's like, oh, she begins praying, please don't let him move to Italy, please don't let him move to Italy. He's just going to fall into further sin. Well, lo and behold, he moves to Italy, and what happens? He gets saved. The Spirit took her deepest desire, redirected it before God's throne, and her son soon got saved and became the most influential theologian for the next 1,000 years. So while there are difficult details in these verses, the bottom line is pretty clear. We should be encouraged to pray. We won't fully understand the mystery of prayer in this life, but we know that the Lord commands us to pray. 
He has ordained prayer as the means through which we cooperate with Him in bringing about His sovereign will. He encourages us with the truth that the Holy Spirit who dwells in us tenderly takes our prayers and directs them according to God's will before His throne. Now just real quick, here are three final applications. One, don't let the fact that you don't know how to pray as you should discourage you from praying. Paul didn't know how to pray as he should, but he's the one that told us to pray at all times in the Spirit. So keep at it. Keep at it, even if you don't understand it. Number two, don't let the fact that prayer isn't easy discourage you from praying. Paul told the Colossians that Epaphras was always laboring earnestly for them in prayer. Prayer is often hard work. It's not easy, but keep working at it. And number finally three, don't let the fact that your prayers don't seem to be answered keep you from praying. Make sure that to the best of your understanding, you are praying in accord with God's will. But if you are praying unknowingly for something that is not His will, you can trust that the Spirit is going to take your prayers and line them up with God's perfect will. Now, this gracious truth that the Holy Spirit tenderly prays for us in our weakness, that should call us, cause us to persevere in prayer, especially in times of trial. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer even now. Father, thank You for the goodness uh, of, of Your Holy Spirit. He does so much for us. This is one other thing that we find out, that He, he actually intercedes and prays for us and prays according to Your will uh, Father, how encouraging that is. So we pray that uh, you would help us to understand that, that it would encourage us in our praying. Uh, at times when we may f- feel defeated in prayer, know you hear us, Father, and we thank you for that. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, maybe you're sitting out there today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never prayed. Never prayed. That's good English. Never prayed. Uh, this would be a good place to start. And I'll tell you a perfect prayer. In Luke 18, there's two men that go into the temple and, and one is a publican and, and one is a Pharisee. And the Pharisee prays first and he says, God, I think you ain't like most other folks. Uh, I, 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 I'm not a swindler, I'm not an adulterer, and I'm certainly not like this publican. They didn't like publicans, tax collectors. And he says, I, 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 t- I fast twice a week and I give a tithe of all that I have. There's nothing wrong with any of those things he said, but here he is boasting in the presence of God about his religion. Then Jesus switches and he talks about the publican. He says the publican wasn't even able to lift his eyes to heaven. He stood there beating his breast. And he said, God, this this is all. This is the shortest, most effective prayer in Scripture. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The publican knew he was a sinner, knew he was in need of God's mercy. He walked in, couldn't even look up, which you would normally do. You'd normally raise your eyes to heaven when you prayed and raise your hands. He didn't. He beat his breast. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you need God's mercy this morning? I can tell you you do whether you're saved or not. But have you ever come face to face with the mercy of God for the first time? That's what salvation is about. Admitting you can do nothing to save yourself. You come empty-handed 
and you ask for His mercy because you don't want His justice. You want nothing to do with the justice of God at this point. You need His mercy. You need to be forgiven. Then just trust what Jesus did some 2,000 years ago on the cross. He died to make this possible so that you can be in right relationship with God. And Jesus, finishing up that parable, says, I tell you that he, the publican, went home justified. I don't know how many words that is. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven words. And he went home right with God. Do you need to be right with God today? Call out for his mercy. Uh, For believers, I hope you've been encouraged in your prayer. Uh, And I know you've heard the term prayer warriors. There are people out there that, that God has gifted that way. And I mean, they love praying, they do it effectually and what have you. How many say, yeah, that's me all over, and don't raise, no, don't. How many would not say that's you? Okay, I'll raise my hand. Yeah, prayer is not, for most of us, is not easy. It is, it is difficult, but God calls us to it. And today I hope you've seen that, yeah, you've got somebody right there praying with you, the Holy Spirit. And He's actually molding your prayers and taking them before the Father according to God's will. I don't know about you, but that's kind of exciting to think that we could actually pray according to God's will. That's the Spirit's doing, but we still have to pray. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.